Village Soup, and the Republican Journal, providing the communities of Waldo, Knox, and Hancock counties with news, information, ideas, events, goods, and services on newsstands Thursdays and on the web at waldo.villagesoup.com. Bill Monroe is arguably the father of bluegrass music, and when he passed away in 1996, he left behind nearly 60 years of performances, recordings, and inspiration for countless others that followed his ensemble approach to this unique form of American music. That's not the only legacy left behind by Bill. Over the course of those six decades, he employed and mentored more than 150 musicians in his famous band, The Bluegrass Boys. This is Paul Anderson. I'll be hosting Bronzewound this Thursday and will feature music by an assortment of those Bluegrass Boy alums. We'll hear from Del McCurry, Vassar Clements, Peter Rowan, Mac Wiseman, Chubby Wise, Don Reno, Sonny Osborne, and many more. Yep, they were all Bluegrass Boys. Hope you'll join me Thursday night from 8 to 10 for a tribute to Bill Monroe's Bluegrass Boys. Did you know Carter Stanley was a Bluegrass Boy at one time? Tune in and I'll tell you all about it. Only on WERU-FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, streaming all over the planet at WERU.org. WERU is made possible by the generous support of our listeners. Thank you. We're WERU, WERU 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor, WERU.org, all over the place. WERU's 30th birthday celebration, Saturday, April 28th, 11 to 2. Yummy foods, pizza, potluck salads, music sale, WERU stuff, station tours, great live music and more. This is a free event, so please come on by. WERU is located at... U.S. 1 in East Orland, and more information is available at weru.org. Rain or shine, this Saturday, 11 to 2, yours for the asking, our birthday celebration, 30th anniversary, and we're looking for a day of a chance of showers on Saturday, but it's going to be 59 degrees, so it's going to be a spring shower. It's going to be a lovely time. We're looking at a high of 55 today, decreasing clouds tonight, uh, mostly sunny tomorrow with a high of 60, looking pretty, pretty nice for that time of day. And over the weekend, again, spring showers, but we need them, right? Stay tuned for Let's Talk Animals. Good morning. This is Let's Talk Animals from Aardvarks to Zebras. We didn't have my son's intro uh, bass guitar, but uh, we'll, I'll forgive John this time. Uh, we are here live this month. Uh, last month I was not here. I was in uh, actually I was in Florida reading the uh, about your snowstorms in March. Uh, it was very nice uh, down in Florida. Uh, here we go. Yeah, got to get our got to get our introduction here. Again, this is John, Dr. John Hunt for Let's Talk Animals from Aardvarks to Zebras. We are live today, so you want to call at 469-0500 if you want to chime in, ask questions, and make comments about our, our topic today. Um, we weren't here last month, but we're back live today. Today's topic is uh, preventing getting bit by a dog. Uh, I could call it Don't Get Bit, Be Proactive. I think that's something that my guest is going to would agree with. Uh, so we have here uh, our expert, uh, Diane, Cunning, Diane Cunningham. Uh, she is uh, the owner of Paws Down, Tra- Paws Down Training Service in Holden. Good morning, Diane. How are you? Good morning, John. You made it here without uh, with all this, the rain. and nope, No problem at all. No problem yeah. at all. Uh, wet dogs, that's always a nice... <laughs> it's a good, good odor this time of year. <laughs> yes, that's right. So uh, what Diane and I are going to be doing is talking about uh, dog bites and how to prevent it. Uh, one of the big things is being proactive on how to, how to read animals, uh, body language, 
with people and dogs is something Diane's really is one of her favorite things to talk about. Uh, but before we talk about um, dog bites, I wanted to just go over some statistics um, about dog bites. Uh, there are 70 million nice dogs living living in the United States, uh, but there are millions that are, a lot of people, mostly children, get bit. Dog bites are a leading cause of non-fatal injury to children. Uh, they are there are 483 million. There's there was $483 million paid in dog bite claims by insurance companies. There are 26,935 reconstructive, reconstructive procedures performed to repair injuries due to dog bites back in 2013. 5,581 postal employees were attacked by dogs. The children, the elderly, postal workers were the most frequent victims. And 66% of the bites among children occur in the head and neck. I think uh, Dan will probably address that. So it is a serious, it's a serious problem. Uh, there is a National Dog Bite Prevention Week. I think it's around now, this time in April. So it's, it's, uh, it's important enough to try to recognize it, recognize the problem. So, Diane, what I, what I do with all my guests first is I want you to uh, talk to our listeners about how you got here from there. Okay. Um, I've always been interested in dogs. I've been very good at reading their body language and understanding what, <clears throat> excuse me, understanding what they needed when. And my family would always be surprised that I knew what the dog needed. So as a child, I, I tended to have a bond with them and be able to communicate with them through body language. Um, as I got older, it wasn't something I felt I could do as a career. But at one point, my daughter came home from college, and she we were brainstorming what she could do. We got talking about dogs, and she said, Mom, <laughs> just go do it. It's something you've been wanting to do. So I found somebody that took me under their wing, did an apprenticeship. With uh, a dog trainer? or a- With a dog trainer who is certified and uh, did a lot of book study and a lot of practical work in that year, um, testing. And testing dogs? Testing of me. Testing you. <laughs> My knowledge. And, okay. You know, to, to become proficient at the, uh-huh. the job. And um, then I started my own business. Are there any formal um, licensing or recognizing certifications that, that you can – someone can take to say that you're a certified trainer, a certified whatever? There are. Um, this is, you can do a lot of online stuff now. Um, I'm actually, for one of the online um, courses, I'm actually, I actually do externships for them. Mm-hmm. I have apprentices come in to do their practical work with oh, me. Okay. So, and then they become certified through that, the school they're attending. So, what's, uh, do you recommend, is, is certification nowadays something that you recommend? You probably didn't need to because you've been doing it so long. Uh, you're now a teacher, so obviously. Uh, but how about... I do do People. I do do continue in education and keep keep my credentials where I need to be. Um, but yes, certification is becoming almost a must now. Mm-hmm. Like everything, um, insurance companies kind of look for that if there's behavioral problems. Um, it doesn't hurt to be certified. <laughs> do you also recommend if someone wants to get into this business of dog training and uh, be certified also uh, in first aid as well? Is that something? It's good to know. Do you actually need it for dog training? Not not necessarily, but okay. it the first day gives you a good knowledge of the body and in how it works, so it wouldn't hurt in ad, that aspect. Okay, so not only first aid for the animal, but first aid for yourself in case something happens. Good. I, I also have a history of being an EMT. So, oh, there, so you're already yeah. so you're ahead of the game. You've been ahead of the game. You've been ahead the whole time. So how long have you been actually on your own in your own business? How many years? 11 years. 11 years. And have you grown? Do you, are you trying to stay small? Are you just a one-person one business? Or? I am a one-person business. Um, it's easier to run a small business as a one-person. I did have employees at one time, and it just... Too much. I decided that a one-person operation was the way to go. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. As I tried to keep my practice a one-man one practice, it's, it is yeah. a lot easier. 
Uh, so do you work um, out of out of another business's uh, facility, or do you have your own? Or I work out of Four Dogs, um, which is O&A in Holden. Okay. Um, I am actually an owner in that, too. Oh, good. Okay. And we offer grooming training in the boutique. Uh, do you also do, you do home uh, visits? I do do some. It depends on what's going on um, with the dog. If I feel that it's going to be better to see them in their environment, or I might do the evaluation at the shop, and then if I feel I need to go to the home, go there. Uh, with today's technology, though, People can bring me videos, and I can see what's going on that way. Because if I'm getting into their setting, they're changing how they're behaving. Okay, so the, I was going to ask you, if you're at their setting, you're not going to see the I might behaviors not, that you're looking for. Right, because, I might not necessarily see it because now I'm a factor. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So I would think that it would be best to be in the home environment, but hiding behind a door. It, yes. it depends on, yeah, but the dog knows you're there. <laughs> Again, their, their nose is their primary. Yeah, they hear you. Yeah, yeah they're, they're, I, there's something behind there. I know. Yeah. Okay. So having them in your in your territory, so to speak, um, you can work on their training. But to understand what the behavior is, people need to talk to you. How many people bring in videos? Is that fairly common now since it's so easy? I am, I am starting to ask for it more and more. Yeah. Because I find it's better for me to see. They try to describe, which is helpful, but seeing it is is much better. Because then I, I can read the dog's body and see how it's emotionally feeling by its body's reaction. But don't you need to see the, uh, the owner's response to the dog's behaviors? Again, it depends on what's going on. Sometimes yeah. it's better for me to go there. It depends on the circumstances. I do both. It, yeah. In terms of them filming the dog, uh, is there is there a third party filming so that you get a a better idea how how the person's reacting to the dog that the person in that has yeah, the problem? Yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, it has been that way. It, it really depends on what the person, yeah, how they do it. I might make recommendations on how to do it. Right. Okay. Yeah. So over the years, you're kind of learning how to get around that sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, very good. Uh, I thought, as I just rattled off all these statistics, uh, it's, it's really astounding uh, how much this is going on, the dog biting. We don't really hear about it. It's not something that's in the news unless it's a dramatic, awful situation. Uh, but every bite is a dramatic, awful situation for the person that, that gets bit. And there's a lot of consequences of the dog too. What happens to the dog? Yeah, unfortunately, it's, and that's yeah. and it's their fault. What it may it may have been or may not have been, but doesn't matter. And that's one of the things that I, as a veterinarian, I had to deal with yeah, a lot. The dogs definitely take the downfall. So when we when we think about dog dogs biting people, uh, of course we think about the dog being aggressive. Uh, it's it's an aggressive dog, and that may be true. Uh, but we need to uh, – I'd like to, to talk with you so the listeners get a better understanding of the motive behind the aggression, the bite. There's usually a reason, and some people just may blanket it's a, a nasty dog. It's a bad dog, and that's really not the case. It can be. can be. There are some dogs that enjoy the bite. Yeah. They, they get an adrenaline rush, and they just – Yeah. They love that. But there's some innocent – or yes. dogs that don't. That just feel they have no choice. Right. Yeah. So I'd like to just uh, kind of go over the – I felt if we could go over some of the types of motivations, types of aggression mm-hmm. before we get into dog bite prevention because that may give our listeners a little better idea of – better uh, insight as to what's going on in a dog's head. Okay. A very common <clears throat> kind of aggression is the fear Motivated aggression, a defensive reaction. So, you tell, can you tell us tell us a little bit about fear aggression when you see it, what it is? Okay, fear aggression is when the dog gets into that fight or flight mode. Um, you've most people have heard about that through psychology. Um, I also have a minor in psychology, so it really everything I have done in my past is tied in very well with dog training. Uh, but they get into the fight or flight mode. If they don't feel they can flight, they're more than likely going to bite. So we want to avoid cornering them. 
we we don't want to, oh, you're okay, you're okay. And as you're getting closer, they're getting cornered. So now right. you're not giving them a choice. Okay. We want them to be able to flee if that's their choice. And I actually wouldn't go near a dog that's afraid because it's already telling you, don't touch me. Right. So, again, I'm going to listen to what the dog's telling me. It's communicating to me or you or whoever is approaching it. And uh, another way of cornering a dog would be a dog being held, right? Yes, they feel trapped. They can't, um, they can't get out. Yep, they can't. They can't. They don't feel they can flee um, in a car. That's why a lot of dogs are reactive in cars because they're trapped. They can't. They can't run and flee if they feel they need to. So they're really up against that window, just. And their message is get away. Yeah. Instead yeah. of trying to stick your finger in the window to calm them down. Oh my god! Right. <laughs> yes. That's, yes. See, People that's, sticking their arm in or fingers in. And, oh, I'm just—I love dogs. And the right. dog's like, <laughs> and that's a very common mistake. So yeah. think about the motive of the dog. The dog is slamming his face against the, the car window. It's it's saying, "Get away from me!" Yeah. So you should stay away. Another uh, misinterpretation of fear aggression is uh, you may you may not realize that you're scaring the dog, but it's the dog's perception. Uh, example. Uh, throwing a ball. You're raising your arm to throw the ball. The dog is you're not playing. You're just raising your arm for whatever reason, and the dog exhibits extreme fear. Fear. Is that something you see often too? It does happen. Um, it's not only about their body language. It's about ours too. Like you said, you innocently pick up a ball to throw it. Now your arm's over the dog's head, and you're flinging your arm forward. All that dog sees is that arm coming at it. Right. It doesn't might not be noticing the ball. If it's not focused on the ball, it's not noticing the ball. Right. So So what are the parts of the body? Uh, let's just use the, the throwing the ball as an example. Mm-hmm. And this may be just conjecture. Um, what, what parts of the body is a dog observing besides the arm? Is there something? Is, the, is it the shoulders, the standing front you know, broadside, uh, what kind of things are... Everything. They, they okay. notice everything we do. Um, an example of how well they read body language is when I teach recall. When the people go to the other end of the room to call the dog, when they turn around, I ask them to pause for a couple of seconds because if they don't, the dog takes that shoulder churn as a recall signal. Right. And we want them to learn, no, you don't come until I actually give you the proper signal. Um, so they're reading every little bit of what your body is saying. So if you're throwing overhand and you automatically lean forward when you throw overhand too, your whole body is going towards that okay. dog. So if the dog is perceiving the body coming at you, right. full frontal, yeah. which is very scary right. instead of to and the at, side. And at that point, you probably have a more determined face because you're throwing rather than a loose smile. Right, right. So yeah. your whole body is changing because you're getting into that, that mode of throwing. And... So if you don't have a relationship with the dog and you're somebody that just came over and picked up a ball, right. like, who are you? Why are you coming at me? Right. And even the, the look in your eyes. Yeah. You, the, heat, the dog may even see the whites of your eyes because you're kind of you're wide open looking at, you know, trying to throw the ball to the person at the other end or whatever. Yeah. So they're picking up a lot. So with fear aggression, um, it's a bite is a bite. But the motive here is that they're scared. And they can't get away. Most or, or, they, or they feel they can't get they, away. Yeah, or they feel they can't get away. Or they're being threatened in a fearful way and you may not realize you're threatening them. Of course, if it's an obvious, someone's coming with a rake handle yeah. running, obviously. Another kind of um, aggression is protective ter- – well, I'm going to clump these in uh, – protective, territorial, and possessive. Um, Territorial aggression. Give us a little bit of. Um, well, that's protecting an area they consider theirs. So, an example would be um, an electric fenced area. The dog is the only one in that area all the time, and if somebody crosses that, you're coming into my territory. So it's a space thing. It's a, yeah. it's a land. Yeah. You're protecting your land. Or the house, okay. or yeah. Okay. Especially if you don't have a lot of company and the dog's not socialized a lot. This becomes more and more their territory. Okay, no, to the dog, no one's ever in here. No one's supposed to be here then. Okay. Where if people are coming and going all the time, oh, okay, this is normal. This is 
This is right. part this of my is life. A, this is part of my territory. People are walking through it. Yeah, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, because they get used to it. Okay, so they get accommodated to it. Okay. Um, so when you have a dog that's um, territorial aggressive, and someone's coming up to the fence, and it's barking, with you can get a mixture of territory and fear, right? Yes, because you can be a again, scared territorial. Yeah. So a territorial dog may look different in terms of body, ears, yeah. tail and stuff versus a fearful dog that's barking at the fence. So well, can you tell – One of the problems that, that you have today too is the invisible fences. Yes. But people yeah. can't see them and they just think a dog's loose in the yard. Uh, yeah. So they th- assume the dog is friendly uh. because it's not behind a fence. Right. So that causes a problem in itself. Okay. Where a fence is kind of telling the person – be aware of this dog is not necessarily friendly. So from a person's perspective, that's one of the problems with those invisible fences. Right. The dog is going to, if they're aggressive, if they're territorial aggressive, they're going to um, show a forward motion, leaning forward, ears forward, mouth tight. Um, The whole body tightens up. Where's the tail? Tail, depending on the dog. Straight out or up? It can be either way. The alert state is straight out. Right. And a state of, um, I'm, I'm, I'm probably going to bite you, is, right. is straight up. And of course, the real scared one is between the legs. Right. So, so. You're, you're talking the different aggressions. Um, the, the straight up one, when it wagging fast, that dog is more than likely going to bite. Because the last famous last words I've heard from people, but the tail was wagging. That's the most common mistake is the yeah. erect tail wagging quick that people think they're happy. Yeah. And no, they're not. No. Unless. Now well, it's con- contextual. Right. Unless the dog always carries the tail that way. Right. There's some dogs that do that. <laughs> yeah. And you have to know the dog and know their body, but is the rest of the body loose. Right. You know, you have to read the whole dog, not just the tail. So when you're coming up to a fence, you see a dog coming at you. Obviously, it's not going to get to you to bite, but is aggressive. If you – now hopefully my listeners will look at the dog's ears because if they're down and back, that could be fearful, right? If they're yes. up and forward, that's more like, yeah, where's the tail? So start looking and we'll, be, we'll talk more about this as body language as we go along. So that's just an example of, um, uh, of an aggression defending territory. Now there's possessive aggression, uh, more of a not land but – this is mine. <laughs> this bone is mine. Right. So, don't don't come near it. Don't touch it. So I'll give you some examples of possessive besides the bone. Where, where else can you see possessive aggression? Uh, it can be bedding. Um, pretty much anything the dog decides is theirs. Right. And they don't want any other animal or person to, to touch it. So it may not just be critical resources like food, water, bed. Those are the it depends what they consider, the value to them. So, again, it's, yeah. it's, it's what they're thinking, yeah. not what we're thinking. Right. Could it even be uh, possession of a person? That's – it can be. Um, one, of, one of the things that happens with people and dogs, um, dogs are aware of pack order all the time. Pack order meaning who's where in the order of things and controlling things. They like guidance. They need that. They need the structure and the guidance or they make decisions. And in our world, their decisions don't work for the most part because they don't understand our world. So by being the leader, which is done, can be done very easily, you know, through dog training, um, communicating with the dog, giving them direction, it tends to take away that protection of that person. Because the dog knows that you're in control. If the dog doesn't feel that you're in control, they feel they need to take control. Right. And that's when you start getting into the, okay, I need to protect protect her or him because they're not taking care of it. The barky or, dog. Oh, they feel the they're not taking care of it. Right. They're taking responsibility, which, which makes them nervous too. Yes. They don't like yes. it. They don't want to do that. A lot of dogs do not want to do that. Yeah. So there are a few that still want to be in charge even if you take the steps to teach them that right. you that's don't another. have you don't have to worry about it but yeah, yeah that's another thing <laughs> that's another problem we'll that's, get that's a dominance thing yeah, that's, that's a dominance <laughs> problem which we'll get into and then there's the um, 
while the protective is, is kind of going to protecting a, a person or an object. There's another kind of uh, aggression. It's called redirected aggression. Yes. Yeah. And that's a little bit um, complicated. But before we go into that, I just want to remind listeners, this is Let's Talk Animals from Aardvarks to Zebras at WERU in Orland, East Orland, Maine. Uh, we are live, so please call at 469-0500 to make comments, ask questions. Uh, so we are live. And this is Dr. John Hunt, uh, your host, and we're talking with Diane Cunningham of Paws Down Training Service about uh, basically behavior, aggression behavior, because that's the, the foundation of getting bit. And we're talking about redirected aggression. Um, can you kind of go into that? And you can set up an example. Well, redirected aggression is just that. The dog is taking his aggression out on something else. So an example would be there's a dog fight happening. Someone goes to grab the dog. Well, the dog thinks that it's being attacked from behind now and flips around and bites the person that's trying to grab them. That's a redirected aggression. Okay. Dog didn't necessarily intend to bite you, but that's, that's frequently when it happens because people are trying to break up dog fights. How about uh, two dogs in a yard? One sees something on the other side of the fence, gets very aggressive, and the other dog's just sitting there, and yeah. that dog attacks then they'll turn around and, and attack the, the dog just sitting there. Yes. What the heck? Yeah. <laughs> but because it's the, the emotion. Dogs don't hold in their emotions. They express them. Right. Um, and they can learn some self-control, and that's, again, where training comes in. We teach them. We be proactive. And if we're there and we see things happen, we want to be proactive and redirect the dog before it gets to that point. Okay. Never mind. Over here. So... Um, we want to remind our, our listeners that types of aggression, when you see it, uh, how easy it is for it to be elicited, does have some uh, in, inherent variables, mm-hmm. and that would be things like breed and uh, things like that. So just tell us about breed, that. Breed is a factor to a point. Um, you know, you can have you can have aggressive goldens who were bred to be friendly and outgoing and okay with everybody, but yet you have an aggressive, an aggressive a golden. Um, German Shepherds were on the hit list for years, you know, as being an aggressive dog. Well, for a while they were being trained to be attack dogs. They were being, you know, they were herders. They had to be independent and be able to take care of that herd. So breed is a factor because they inherently have some values in their, built into their makeup that make them reactive certain situations that doesn't mean they're a bad dog they just need to be taught how they're living today and the public tends to generalize the breeds yes all rottweilers are aggressive yeah you know all all german shepherds are aggressive that's and this is where reading the dog's body language uh, will help you determine if regardless of breed kind of pinpoint what kind of dog it is because the pit bull um has got a bad rap too they they are one I'm just talking about my own experience as a veterinarian. Um, they're wonderful with people. They just – they inherently – they're bred to fight other dogs. So in Hartford, when I was a veterinarian there, uh, the, the a lot of illegal dog fighting was going on. And they yeah. would bring these dogs just chewed up and they said, I don't know what happened. Yeah. No, of course you know. And I could just – I could literally sew them up on the table without any anesthesia, wagging their tail. They're, they're, wonder, they're wonderful dogs at that. This is 20, 20 years ago. So it's, it's important for our listeners to know that um, you you can't bl- you can't condemn a, a breed. Yeah, that that is true. Again, any breed can be aggressive or non-aggressive. It, it, it's the individual dog, and factors are breeding, upbringing. They just breeding is a huge factor. Yeah. Um, you know, you obviously don't want to breed a dog that already is aggressive because the puppies are learning in that imprint stage that that's what they do. You don't want a puppy that's been, where the mother's been overbred and hates her puppies because now she's nipping at her puppies and they, oh, liking dogs is not a good thing. That gets embranded in that that puppy. Um, so that's a good you, point. Breeding is important. How they're bred, you need to look at the breeder you're going to. 
Are the puppies socialized at an early age? Do they get interaction with other people, children? That's all important in that imprinting age. And the imprinting age is like five to eight weeks. It can be sooner, but typically five weeks is when the breeders will allow people to see the dogs because of health issues. Um, it's so important that they get exposed to positive things and positive waves in that time frame. And it really makes, can really make the dog. Learning how to interact yes. in the world. Yeah, and they need their mom to correct them when they do something wrong. Right. You know, um, some breeders get nervous if the mother goes to give the puppy a correction. Well, the puppy needs that because that's telling them don't do that. Right, in their language. Right. So, but if the mother's overcorrecting, that's another issue. But if the mother's, you bit me too hard, you know, she might give the puppy a look the first time. Well, bites a little harder. She might give it an ear snap. Right. You know, and then, okay. You bit me too much. She's going to nip at the puppy, give it a pinch. So she's taught the puppy, back off. You need to you need to back off when you bite. It's teaching the puppy biting ambition. And also uh, it's important to have the puppy stay with their, their litter mates. That's why one of the reasons to not adopt one until they're seven weeks, ideally seven weeks, six to seven. That's up now. They, it's going up to eight, nine now? Eight to 12. Okay. It yeah. used to be seven, eight, but some would want to get rid of them because they have 12 puppies and it's going crazy. They, they, yeah. they want to get the money and go. I hate to say it, but that's what it was. So you get this five-year-old puppy that hasn't had enough time with their own con specifics, in other words, their own litter mates, because they learn how to play nice. Right. They learn so much, again, in that early stage. Yeah. We cannot teach them what they can learn in the time frame that they learn it in that stage. So it's important. We can, we can help them with it, but we right. can't. We can't do that for them. Right. It's impossible. can't. So it's important for people to know when they're looking for a puppy how they're brought up. Yeah, you want to look at the breeder. Yeah, um, and the, and the cert, what was going on. That can, Food aggression can come from being in, in a litter too. Yes. Um, if all the puppies are being fed out of the same bowl and they're competing for food, that's teaching them food aggression because I have to get it first. Right. I, it's, it, it's survival. Yeah. And if they're fed out of several bowls or extra bowls, there's one or two extra bowls, they just walk around to the different bowls and they know that the, they don't have to compete for it. Or a, a long trough. Some breeders do long troughs. The puppies seem to do well with the troughs too. Mm-hmm. There's enough room to. But if you're talking one bowl and they're all circled around it. There's going to be a loser. They, yeah, there can be. Yeah. Uh, food aggression is also a big problem with adopting out older dogs in, in pounds and uh, dog they don't call them dog pounds anymore. Yeah, uh, the rescues, yeah. Yeah, rescues and stuff. So let's um, let's take a, a brief break. And uh, then we're going to get back to how to avoid a dog bite and um, some things that we need to, to learn. And we'll um, – I think I caught John off guard <laughs> on that. This is uh, – Dr. John Hunt, Let's Talk Animals, Aardvarks to Zebras, W-E-R-U, in East Orland. And we'll see you on the other side. So we're back. This is Let's Talk Animals, Aardvarks and Zebras. Dr. John Hunt, your host. Uh, please call 469-0500 if you have any questions or comments. I'm here with Diane Cunningham at Paws Down Training Service. And we've been talking about uh, the first half of the show's types of aggression uh, to give everyone an understanding that there are motives behind uh, aggressiveness in, in animals. And some are natural, some are, are learned, some are well, there's never a uh, 
a justified bite to a, a person, uh, technically, even though the dog may be right in doing it. But uh, in our society, we just don't think uh, dog biting is a good thing. But before you get into exactly how to avoid a dog bite, especially using body language, Diane's favorite topic, uh, she does want to, do want to make a little comment about mailmen and UPS men. Okay. Delivery people. One of the things that happens with delivery people is that they come to, if you're in a city, they come to the door and the dog barks at them and they go away. So it worked. Well, they keep coming back, though. And the dog's like, I've already told you, don't come near here. And it's just over and over and over again. And it keeps building up a, I've told you, I've told you, I've told you. So when that one day they can get at that person, they tend to go after them because they didn't listen. Right. They, they didn't take that correction. And they, they felt they're justified. They warned them. Yep. They, they warned them several times. Yeah, over, lots. Yeah, every day. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so if you're not there to direct your dog and let them know that, oh, we like the mailman. Oh, it's just UPS. It's a good guy. Don't worry about right. it. The dog is going to make decisions on their own. And usually they decide, well, there's a stranger outside our door. That's not okay because no one's here to take care of it. Right. And that's how you typically, that's why mailmen tend to get bitten or UPS people tend to get bitten because the dog's already told them, don't right. come here, don't come here. <laughs> now, do uh, some people say, well, if, if get, have the doormat or have the mailman come and give the dog a treat every time he comes, is that something that would help? You can turn it into a positive, definitely. Um, so now the mailman's coming, the dog's wagging his tail. He's going, oh, a treat's coming, a treat's coming. Again, it depends on the dog, your situation, your lifestyle. I mean, I wouldn't recommend that with every dog. Okay. You know, we're talking in generalities here. Yeah. What's right for one dog is right for that dog. It's not right for this dog. Okay. So we don't want to just say, plan on letting you carrier give the dog a biscuit because you may have a little finger going yeah along with it <laughs> might not work and, <laughs> okay. or they may decide the carrier may decide to throw ah there the you biscuit go. in the air overhand churn and the dog's gonna oh you're throwing something at me i'm coming to get you yeah, yeah. so okay <laughs> dogs are very perceptive yes they're very perceptive well let's talk about uh how to avoid dog bites and the first thing that you wanted to go over was body language i think both the dog's body language yeah, and, and the person. So uh, let's we, go over that. We have covered that somewhat when we talked about throwing the ball and, and the fence and all that. Um, typically, when dogs alert, again, it's that um, the body tightens, the mouth closes, the tail. What goes. do you mean by t- mouth closes? When some, when we say that, what does a person actually the see? The mouth actually closes. Okay, so it's- typically a relaxed dog has a, the mouth is open. So almost looks like they're panting, but they're not necessarily. Okay. It's just open and relaxed, and they're just looking around, and you know, in a, what would be considered a neutral state. Okay. The tail is, if they're not greeting or alerting, the tail is just hanging where it would naturally hang. That's a neutral dog. Okay. Where, if you start seeing the body tighten, the mouth closing, the ears going forward, they're giving you the hairy eyeball. Um, then that's a dog that you don't want. And the hairy eyeball is Yeah, what's a hairy eyeball? Yeah. Because <laughs> we, we know it. Yeah. And you see, I see it all the time when coming into the clinic, but people may not know what that means. The hairy eyeball is basically the dog's kind of giving you a sideways look, and they're, they're just staring at you from the, from the side. And <laughs> ever so slightly. Ever so slightly. It's just very passive, and if you're not looking for it, you won't see it. And, but they've already communicated, don't touch me, don't come near me. I'm not okay with that. So, I actually, But they're doing it in a passive way. Right. So being, if we don't polite. listen, if we don't listen, they may react. And one thing to look about the hairy eyeball, if you, I don't know if, if you've seen this, but what I notice is the eye that's closest to you, you can see the whites. Oh, yeah. Right on, just a little bit of the whites on the inside of the eye. Yep. And the, well, I, I pick that up on a – you and I, we, we do that all the time. So people – in the public may not see that. No, and so I, that kind of I back right off when a dog gives me the hairy eyeball. Yeah, me too. I just uh, okay. So it's a very important. You're, you're not comfortable. I'm going to back right up. Yeah, just yeah. look at that. And you said the ears, um, where the ears are, the hackles. Yeah, the ears can either be way up in an alert state or, or pinned 
right. out of a fear state. Not relaxed. Right. Okay. So for us, if a dog is showing those signs, the hairy eyeball or the, the state of where they're not comfortable or the alert state, if we do a side two, we, I automatically turn side two a dog as soon as I see that they're uncomfortable. I actually greet all dogs side two, meaning I don't come up to the dog head on. And leaning over. No, no. No, I don't lean over dogs. <laughs> I come up to the dog's side too and put my arm low, let them sniff it. I never put my hand up to their face. I let them come to my hand and then I might pat them under the chin, depending if they seem receptive to that. They'll usually walk in closer if they're receptive to it. If they're not, they'll either look away. As soon as they look away, they again said, no, don't want your attention. Okay, here's a scenario. Um, someone's walking up to a dog, the owner's next to him, and they do the right things. They turn to the side, kneel down, don't yeah, look directly. I'm not a fan of kneeling down, by the way. Oh, yeah, I, I did that all the time at the clinic. Um, it seemed to, in my situation. But you know how to read dogs. Right, right. So I wouldn't kneel down if, if I. I kneel down if I've read the dog and I'm okay exactly. with it. Exactly. You so don't I, want to approach a dog and kneel down, though. So let's say uh, we'll go to the side and you reach your hand down, you put your hand down. And the dog, the dog doesn't do anything. You can see that he's a little scared. It, either you see the dog is scared or you didn't read it and you don't wait long enough. And people then, they're not patient. Then they reach, reach oh, over the yeah, dog and yeah. press it because the dog was supposed to come over to you. Yeah. And this is a mistake I see all, all the time. The time. You, yeah. got, you got to be patient. And if the dog doesn't come to you, then he doesn't come to you. Yeah. Then you... Stand up and the best way ignore. to greet a dog is let the dog greet you. Exactly, that's the safest way. That's the number one rule. Let, yeah, let the dog greet you. I would just get back to the mailman. A, a caller came in and uh, she had a little uh, comment that, that feel that she feels the or he I can't remember he or she feels that it's the uniforms um, that has something to do with with the aggression. I would say yes and no because the dog can identify. They know what a uniform is, so that's the, that's the, that's the uniform that they came, I barked, and they left. Yes. So it's all part of the visual. So yes. she's right, uh, but that's not necessarily the cause. It's just a way of identifying that, that person. Correct. Because yeah. it could be uh, little Johnny's uh, friend could come, didn't have the uniform, and the dog knows. Yeah. knows Uniforms are a factor, though, because they're right. They're carrying that big bag. Yeah. You know, if it's a, ma- a postal person, and they're in a uniform. Yeah, so, so, yes, a dog would associate it with that type of person. So that was, that was a very good comment by one of our listeners. So we have one person listening. That's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yeah, 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 thank you. Thank you very much. If you want to call, 469-0500. So let's talk animals. Dr. Hunt here talking with Diane Cunningham. Uh, some other um, body language like uh, backing away or licking. Do you see any of that as a sign of nervousness or aggression? Yeah, licking can be a sign of nervousness. Um, a lick can actually go into a nip if the dog gets uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll be like, oh, the dog's licking my hand. You okay. know, and then a little nip happens and a little breaking of the skin. Um, the dog has gotten nervous because either you moved a certain way or some, something happened that made that dog that change him. That changed that. Did we catch what happened? Not, not all the time because it's so subtle. The dog sees it, but it's so subtle we might miss it. And he, and the dog is very precarious in the first place. Yes. In terms yes. of his internal feelings. Would you see a, a, a dog that licks and nips? Do you think the dog may have been doing a little bit of licking his lips before he came approach the hand? Or you would have seen something else? Are there any other? When a dog comes to lick your hand, should you be watching a dog to see if if the body language of the dog is saying, uh, yeah, you, again, you want to watch what the body language is. Um, and it de- depends on the dog. If you have a family dog that likes to lick you, they're just used to doing that. It becomes a habit because right. you might have been salty one day and it tasted good to them. Yeah. So they were just licking the salt off of you, um, especially if you've been working out in the yard or something. Where a dog you don't know comes up and licks you, I'd, I'd be a little skeptical of that. Okay. An unfamiliar dog licking me is like, eh, I'm not sure if I, I like that. So an unfamiliar dog, a strange dog, um, won't necessarily be your best friend in 30 seconds. 
No, some are. The wiggle, you know, but you, that's, but that's you see the whole dog wiggling. Yeah, the whole butt going they're, back and They're going to probably lean against you for a hug and they're right. going to, you know, they're going to want to kiss you. And, yeah. and, that's, all. and that's a dog that I would probably bend down to. Okay. okay. Gotcha. How about um, when people, oh, we do have a caller. Uh, so I was going to ask a question. I'm going to stop that for a second. Anna from Belfast. Good morning, Anna. Good morning. How are you? Good. Thanks for this program. Well, I hope it's uh, interesting. Yeah, I had a question. Um, I was recently walking through a neighborhood after school with a group of young children, and a dog came flying out of the neighborhood somewhere. We couldn't tell where it was coming from, but it felt like it was being pretty aggressive. It had its head down, its ears back, and it was barking, and it was kind of trying to chase us. Of course, the kids are going every which way. And I wasn't sure, as the adult in the situation, what to do, how to handle this dog approaching us. Uh, We kept moving and sort of walked by, and it eventually stopped. Um, But I wondered if you had any advice about that sort of situation. Good question. Yeah, very good question. Um, What happens with children? I'm I'm guessing they were pretty young. Yeah, these were kindergartners. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so they're squealing. Their arms are flapping. They're <laughs> yeah. They're making all kinds of noise. They want to run. Um, right. Which actually brings out the prey driving a dog, all that, sure. all that, those actions. So the best thing you can do is ignore and keep walking was a, was a good thing because by keep walking, you were ignoring the dog. You weren't acknowledging what was happening. Okay. But if the now, dog – oh, Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I I think I had the instinct to, like, keep the kids on the sidewalk and try to distract the dog, walking it towards its neighborhood, sort of. But maybe I should have just walked with them calmly. I'm not sure. Well, the best thing to do is get the kids calm. Um, and yeah. that's just, you know, we teach kids, if the dog wasn't going to allow you to keep moving... And, you know, a circling type thing. The best thing you can do is we teach kids to be a tree. Um, plant, your, plant your roots, fold in your limbs, which means fold in your arms. Plant okay. your roots is steady Don't your feet. Don't put your arms out like uh, right. limbs. Yeah. Or you're not <laughs> flying your arms around. Yeah. Fold in your limbs, look away. Okay. Look away means turn the head away from the dog. Mm-hmm. And typically the dogs realize that that's not a, there's no threat here. It's, it's not an issue. These kids aren't going to hurt me. They're not. Their arms aren't flying. They're not screaming. They're not running um, at me or from me because the from makes the dog want to chase. It it just communicates to the dog that we're we're not causing any problems. We're just looking away. We don't want trouble. Mm-hmm. And that's the best thing you can do. Is and it's good to practice those with that with children, especially young ones. Um, I tend to do it at school programs when I get invited to schools. And I have uh, two dogs that I bring. One is a Shiloh Shepherd and the other one's a Golden Chow Mix. And the Shiloh Shepherd is really, really isn't into greeting all the kids. So that's not an issue. But the Golden, Golden Chow Mix, she loves to greet the kids. And she'll go over wiggling and waggling. And we say, be a tree. And all the kids go into that motion then the dog kind of gets sad and then walks away and finds the teacher who's sitting on the floor correcting papers and starts licking them and trying to get on their lap. And <laughs> so the dog realized that these people weren't going to interact with her. I see. So yeah. she stops trying to interact. So a dog that's sort of defending its territory may respond to that. Uh, we're just walking slowly or being a tree. We're not paying attention to you. Right, we're ignoring you. We're not a threat. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I gave the example of the good dog because that's what I bring to classrooms. Obviously, of course. <laughs> I'm not going to bring an aggressive dog to a school. Um, but yes, it typically is telling the dog, you know, not right now. I'm not going to bother with you. I'm not. I'm not a threat to you. Just okay. Leave, basically, leave me alone. You're snubbing the dog. I think Diana made it. Um a very good uh, uh, point about the screaming and yelling. 
In your situation, you may have been going through his territory, so standing still may not have been the necessary solution. So if you kept walking, however, training the children when you give them a command or some kind of word is to not raise your – not scream because the kids scream at everything and anything. And screaming and waving and, and running around circles. I mean, I saw them at the beach. I was down in Florida last month, and they, you know, they would scream, this high-pitched scream when the wave yeah. came in. I mean, oh, it, yeah, it even it. made me nervous. I wanted to go and bite them, the little <laughs> kids. So, I mean, it's just so, really is. So walking calmly. Yeah, yeah, so it's just walking calmly. Keep your hands down. Look away from uh, the dog. Yeah, don't stare at them. I think those are things you can train your class, and you can just say two words, and they'll go right into that mode. Um, if the dog pursues you, then, again, Diane said, stand like a tree, um, hands in, don't stare, and then the dog will become disinterested. That includes you, standing like a tree. Yes, yes, yeah, it, it right. is, good, is a good thing for adults, too, <laughs> yes. I, I did the same thing with uh, going to schools, standing like a tree, laying like a log. If the child is on playing on the ground, they just lie down, put their, their – make their hands a fist and put them over their ears and lay down on their stomach quietly and – Actually, one of my daughters, both my daughters listened to this when I went to her, her class. And one day I was in a house, my house and my daughter was 100 yards, 50 yards away and this huge, huge German shepherd and another little dog, kind of like a mutt, mutton Jeff. They were coming after Janie and, and Jane was – my daughter was starting to get excited and yell because she was scared. So I yelled out the window, stand like a tree. And she went – she knew exactly what I meant and she did that and the dogs didn't even get to her. They – they yeah, lost interest like, even before yeah. they got to her. Yeah. I mean, it was boring. <laughs> that's, yeah. what you, that's what you want. So Thanks a, for the show. I'll hang up now and let you guys come. Yeah, that was an excellent, excellent question. I think children, uh, maybe uh, Dan can tell us about children, uh, what, what you do with, what do you tell children? Do you train children? Do you train well, just the parents? Pretty or? much what we just talked about. Okay, that's, so that's the big thing. That's the big thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just not Getting screaming not out. To, and staring, that's a good point. I, we hadn't touched on that. Staring at a dog, sometimes when a dog is coming at us, we don't want to stop looking at them. But the worst thing you can do is stare at them because in a dog's world, a stare is a challenge. They feel you're challenging them if you're staring at them. So if two dogs are staring at each other, you know, dog to dog, again, redirecting, getting that look away. And uh, from us, we don't want to keep that staring. You know, in a way, we can probably kind of give them the hairy eyeball, too, because we don't want to take our eyes off of them. So we right. have to be mindful of that. So that's a very subtle distinction. Uh, still looking their way, but not looking at them. Yeah. So the fa- your face is there, but you're not your eyeballs because they're looking at your eyes. Yeah. It's very important. Uh, so that was, that was an excellent question. Uh, some things to teach children around even at home about their dog at home uh, when they're sleeping and eating. Do you, do you have suggestions about that just to prevent problems? Yeah, typically um, I do and I don't. It depends, again, on the family situation and the dog's relationship with the kids. I mean, obviously, if the dog gets grumpy when it's woken up, you don't want the kids going over and waking it up. Um, good practice, though, is is not to keep getting into the dog's face. Give them a chance to yeah. respond to you but every situation is so different that we have to kind of work with that particular situation and how about uh, talking about standing like a tree um, how about the scenario of running away or no the running away we know the dog's going to chase because it's more than likely yeah. how about when you're at a situation at a home the dog was barking you're standing in the door inside the doorway then you turn to go out as soon as your back is to the dog, bam, it gets you right, gets you right in the butt. Yeah. So tell us about that. That's a sucker bite. <laughs> <laughs> That's Good move. Yeah. The dog, the they, dog didn't have the guts to face you head on, and basically they're, they're like, okay, I'm going to get you now because you've turned your back. So it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a – Yeah. They feel – It's in, a sucker punch. Empower, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so that's, yeah. that's what that is. Uh, uh, someone else called, said a neighbor's dog comes into your yard. What do you do? A neighbor's dog comes Talk. into your yard. What do you do? Talk to the neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy answer. Well, how are they, are they coming into the yard and being friendly? Are they coming right. into the yard and being aggressive? Um, if it's an issue because you have a dog in your yard and they don't get along, then you need to talk to your neighbor and, neighbor and get that squared away because 
statewide leash law. That's right. You, you know. How about a dog that comes in your yard and, and barking at the kids? And let's say um, you're going to talk to the neighbor, but it's already happening. You're in the kitchen. Yeah. You see the dog coming in. Do you yell to the kids, stand like a tree because you trained them? <laughs> uh, it, it wouldn't hurt, you know, especially if the kids don't really know the neighbor dog. Right. You know, um, some neighborhoods that they all know each other and it's fine that they come into the yard and right. they're okay with it. But if it's a, a problem and you've talked to the neighbor and that hasn't been solved, then unfortunately you probably have to go to animal control. Yeah. You know, the, the, your town's animal control and say this is an issue. I can't, I can't keep having this happen. So I hope that answers that question. We have uh, Michelle from Elliott. Good morning. Good morning, sweetie. That's my wife. <laughs> Good, <laughs> Good <not> morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's to me, not to you, Diane. Well, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, so I would love for you guys to discuss what you do when you're out walking with your dog being responsible and it's on a leash and another dog approaches you, a strange dog that seems aggressive. What do you do? Good question because it happened to us. Yeah, it actually happens a lot. Um one of, the, one of the things that happens with dogs that approach a dog on leash, again, the dog on leash is trapped, so they don't feel that they can get away if they need to or move properly to communicate with the other dog because we have them restrained now. Um, some, of the movements that a, one of the, some of the movements that a dog would do is a, um, create a C, meaning they put their body in the C shape in relation to that other dog. That way they can keep track of the other dog without telling the dog, I'm challenging you. So it's the same idea as you going side to the dog. You can also do that with your dog. Typically, I would put myself between the dog and my dog. So if the dog's coming at us, I'm going to turn side two and start walking in a different direction. With you between your dog. Yeah. That's what we tried to do. This big dog came and and went after a little dachshund. Yeah. And she went into a sea. But it was too quick, and right. we, we were trying to get intercede. So I'm going to be um, proactive and redirecting my dog so my dog doesn't get into it with the dog. Okay, we're not going to even deal with this. We're just going to walk away. And typically that does work. I had a German Shepherd that was so good at communicating with other dogs. I was walking him, and the dog started coming at us from a yard. My dog stopped, turned his head, looked at the other dog as if to say, what is your problem? My dog stayed in neutral body, and the other dog stopped in his tracks and kind of and relaxed and went into a soft mouth, and we kept walking. So my dog was able to communicate to that dog quicker than I could. That's good. Good good answer. Any other uh, – running short on time, believe it or not. It's all, it always happens yeah. to me. I never think uh, I'm going to have enough to talk about, and my guests are so great at, at explaining things. Anything else about how to avoid – what would be a, a general message um, to our listeners about how to avoid getting bit by a dog? Again, a reiterate. Let the dog approach you to say hi. Stand side two. Your body language is so important in communicating with the dog, how you approach the dog. You don't want to do that fast, up-in-the-face approach, even with a friendly dog because they have to decide if you're okay or not. Um, read the dog's body. Does it does it even want to greet you? And that's the biggest thing. It's a two-way communication. If the dog is turning away, it's telling you, no, I, I, I'm trying to avoid you. If you keep pushing yourself on it, that's not a good thing. You're making it nervous and uncomfortable. Invading a space. Yeah, and not all dogs bite. Even right. if they're uncomfortable, Some they're just not going to do it. Right. It's not in them. But even if they're uncomfortable, you don't want to press it because they're uncomfortable. Right, yeah. So respect, respect trying, that. Yeah, I'm trying to be friendly with the dog. I, I want to respect them as I expect them to respect right. me. Yeah. I think that's the, the big take-home message is, you know, don't don't invade them. They, you may not get bitten, but you're making them uncomfortable. Another thing is when you always teach kids as well as people as if you see a dog on leashes, you ask the owner if, it, if it's okay to pet the dog. And sometimes the owner doesn't even understand that the dog is nervous and tense. So even if, even if the owner says it's okay, like you say, read the body language, and if he seems like he's tensing up, then don't don't pet him. Just because the owner says it's okay, yeah, it doesn't mean it's okay with the dog. Right? Look at the dog. Don't <laughs> look at the. One owner. thing I was hoping we would hit on is uh, leash reactivity because that's huge. Okay, uh, you got it. One minute. All right. That's, so leash that reactivity. Um, basically, the dog's reacting on leash, and a lot of times that happens because again they're restrained. 
the owner tightens up on the leash. As soon as that dog feels that leash tighten, they realize that the owner is uncomfortable now, so they feel they need to take more action. So the best thing you can do is talk to the dog, redirect the dog. You can hold the leash close, but don't tighten it. Even when you tighten your fist, you're tightening that leash. Redirect the dog and walk in another direction. Is redirecting meaning walk in another direction? Redirect, communicate with the dog, talk to the dog, whatever it takes to get their attention away from the concern. If they tighten it, it's different if they tighten it. They know if they've tightened it, and they know if you've tightened it. Okay. That's very important. And, and that's yeah, something that actually causes a lot of problems because the owner tightens up. And your training, I wanted to get into this, is preventing your dog from biting in terms of socializing, spay and neutering, and also training and making the dog more comfortable. Uh, that will help your dog prevent yes. right, your dog from biting. Yeah. That's that's yeah, no, knowing your dog is very important. And maybe I guess I have to have you come. Come back. <laughs> so this, this, is, this is Diane Cunningham, our dog training specialist. Uh, this is Dr. John Hunt from Let's Talk Animals, Aardvarks to Zebras. Until next time, remember, enjoy your pet and don't forget to give them a hug. WERU listeners have been following events on Sears Island for decades. The island off of Searsport has been targeted for industrial development numerous times, including for an oil refinery, a cargo port, and most recently, a liquefied propane gas terminal. But industrial development has yet to occur on the island, and in 2009, two-thirds of the acreage was protected under a conservation easement. Since then, the Friends of Sears Island have been stewarding the island's natural